Hi, this is Kara Kading, and as part of the Milliger family, I'd love to introduce you to our new podcast. Everything we do here at Milliger's is done to enhance the lifestyle of our customers. Our products and services add beauty and enjoyment and just make life a little more rewarding. We are first and foremost growers, and one of the things we do best is to open a world of beauty to people through plants. And plants enrich our lives in so many ways, from cleaning our air to making everyone feel better. And everything else that we do or sell gradually evolved from our wanting people to feel better and enjoy life. I'm here with my uncle, Kevin Milliger, Mr. T. This is an exciting time at Milliger's because the vegetable selection has been amazing. Everyone's been buying all their vegetables and herbs. But is this, what do you think, NMA, is this a safe time to plant? I'm sure you get that question all the time. We do. It's a common worry for gardeners, and it should be because there are things that are very weather sensitive and it's disheartening to plant something and have it die a few days later when it could have been avoided if you just wait a little bit. Yeah, nobody has the crystal ball, but usually we're okay the end of May here now. Some things are a little bit more sensitive than others. Well, I think that starting even in early April, you could have been putting in many of the greens that we've talked about in the past. Many of the lettuces and cabbages, kale, collards, spinach, things like that. That would have been no problem at all. And as you get closer to May, then there are various things that could go in even then. And by that, I mean things from seed oftentimes, like radishes and carrots. And you could also plant onion seeds, onion plants, onion sets, anything in the onion family, garlic, all that could go easily in by May 1st. And as you get later in the month to where we are now, then you can start to think about the plants that are of tropical origin. That's something that not a lot of people know about just as general knowledge, but these days you can find out so quickly where something is from, and that will give you a key as to how hardy it is. So our biggest selling spring vegetables are tomatoes, peppers, squash, cucumber, and eggplant. And all of those are from very warm regions of the world. So they're subtropical. And so as subtropical, that means they're not tolerant at all of cold weather. Some are more susceptible than others, but they're all disliking cold weather. So we want to wait until the night temperature is reliably above 50 degrees. So that obviously you're going to have to keep track of the weather forecast so you know when that is. And so when you can see that the forecast for the next week or 10 days is all above 50 or or so, then you can go ahead and plant. Now, if the weather is... If it dips down a little bit, that's not the end of the world. It's just going to possibly retard those plants a little bit, especially if it's real windy on that day. So then it's a double whammy, and that is a recipe for trouble. You may end up having to replant some things. Probably cucumber is the most sensitive in that situation, but the other plants don't like it either. Sometimes there's this big fear that we're going to run out of a certain variety of plants or they want to make sure that they get their cucumbers early so that they're obviously getting their harvest a little bit earlier. Even the ground can be so cold in May. So is this something that maybe they could purchase and then put in a container and grow inside in a sunny window and then transport it out? Have you had success with doing something like that? You can grow these plants indoors temporarily. So if you buy the plants or grow them from seed and you want to sort of bring them out during good weather and then take them back in during cool weather or during the nights or during windy periods, that's certainly something you could do. So I would recommend that if you're worried about getting your certain varieties, that's a decent option. But you have to be vigilant about that. And I would say that you might want to water on the lean side when they're indoors because if there's a prolonged cold stretch, you can get some 
kind of severe stretching on some of these plants, and that's not good either. So rather uh, hold them back just a little bit so they don't get too elongated. Yeah, because if they get elongated like that, then trying to be able to plant them outside, then they do get in those windy conditions and... That's that's no good. Right. I remember one year I had taken some cucumber plants home late one night and I was going to plant them first thing in the morning before I went to work. And I did that. And it was in the 40s that day. And I I guess I wasn't thinking. I was trying to be optimistic, I suppose, like most gardeners are. And it got real windy. I came home at the end of that day and the plants had all turned white and completely withered. So the stems... They went from being a certain thickness, a nice, a nice firm yes. stem, and they were all withered. They were like string at the end, like like thread, really. And so they, everything was completely <laughs> shot in a matter of hours. That's the lesson learned. So, um, you know, you just yeah. have to avoid that situation. But we never give up. We just keep going at it and keep gardening. You've been an avid gardener for many, many years, and I love to hear your history. What are some of the earliest kind of memories that you have? I know with at grandma and grandpa's house, they had a big plot where they were growing and really actually before Milligers. Right. When I was little in the, say, the late 50s, we uh, Milligers hadn't yet been started, and we lived in Caledonia, and next door we had a one-acre piece of property that my mom and dad had a large garden in. It was basically an acre-sized garden. So that's a lot to take care of if you've ever attempted something like that. I mean, even a little garden is a lot for some folks. So it was a lot of it was strawberries, and there were pretty much everything else that you might imagine, like tomatoes and peppers and squash, things like that, cucumbers. But my dad was working at the post office at that time, and he started early in the morning, and so he was done relatively early. So when he got home, he had plenty of time in the spring to do the garden chores which he loved doing. The regiment that he followed that he would hoe for a certain amount of time or a certain number of rows every night to keep ahead of the weeds. If there were, let's say, 20 rows or 20 or 30 rows, whatever it was, hoe that many rows every night, and then that way you keep ahead of the weeds, and that's what you need to do. And that's a good recipe for anyone to follow, really, and it also brings you closer to the plants. Some people say, well, I'm going to put down a weed preventer. I'm going to put down mulch. I'm going to put down plastic or something to keep the weeds down. There's nothing wrong with that, but that keeps you out of the garden. And I would rather be in the garden, even if it's weeding, just because you can observe the plants, observe the weeds, observe nature. Just like you said, just being in the garden, it's amazing therapy. And you get a closer eye on maybe if there's a pest or a certain situation on the rise that you can be a little bit more aware of, of taking care of your plant before things get bad too. Right, right. So that garden, that went on for my early childhood, but then I'm not not exactly sure what year, but probably 1959, they decided to sell that property to get some money to buy the property where the business is on Douglas Avenue. One day, my folks said to my dad's parents, let's go for a ride. We all piled in the car and we drove the two or three miles up to where the business is located on Douglas Avenue. And we pulled off the side of the road into a cornfield. We all got out and then my dad said to my grandparents and really to us, because we, we were kind of oblivious at that young age. And he said, we just bought this property and we're going to build a greenhouse here. We're going in the greenhouse business. And my grandma immediately burst into tears. And um, so she, I mean, they were risk aversive. And so they, I mean, the idea of him having a good job with the government, with the post office was ideal to them. Mm-hmm. And to take any money that they had made and risk it on something like this was foolhardy. And it did seem that way in a way because shortly thereafter, my dad and mom went to a place in Milwaukee, a guy that was selling used greenhouses. I mean, there was a market for something like that wow. back then. And so they arranged the deal and he delivered. All of a sudden, there's this pile of old 
pipes that were painted all different colors and then used glass from greenhouses. In those days, they didn't just tear something down. They saved everything and then rebuilt it in a new location, which was what was going to be happening here. So we had a used greenhouse. It was like roughly 30 by 90 or so. So my dad built that and then we had to scrape all, well, I didn't really do much, but we scraped the pipes down and, and they had to paint them all silver and make them look new. And then even the glass had to be cleaned because it had been covered with shading material, which is like whitewash. Mm -hmm. So that had all come off. And, you know, I was too young to really do much, but I was around the area and, and kind of getting in the way mostly. But <laughs> but anyway, that was the first greenhouse and that's how it all started. I just think that's amazing. It's such a bold move to go into. I mean, he just must have, they both really had a passion for growing and a definite talent in that. But I know he explored several different, I mean, he was definitely an entrepreneur. So he was looking at different options and I heard, you know, history that he was thinking about even hotels and things like that. And yeah, he, he, I mean, he just wanted to do something and he wasn't sure really what it was going to be. They liked growing stuff. So that was where they ended up, but they had considered the hotel business. They had considered the tile business, the laying of flooring material they had done. And he had actually done that for a while with my uncle, but anyway, they ended up in this business, which is what we all love now. So, yeah, it's a great testimony of just really following your passion and despite your mom's tears. <laughs> My grandma. Well, I mean, but it was his mom. Oh, yeah, yeah his your mom. Your grandma. Right, yes. That it all worked out. But here we are today, and here you are, and your love for gardening really evolved from that. You're so talented, and of course, know some amazing history because you're always, well, I mean, you know everything about the plants here, but one of your favorite areas and highlight is with the tomatoes and with the vegetables. And people love to see you there because you know the answers. So people are like, what should I do? And now more than ever, I see that there's a younger generation of people wanting to grow their own fruits and vegetables and herbs and to create this wonderful vegetable garden just because I think it makes a big difference of knowing where your food comes from and harvesting your food in your own backyard. The, the nutritional value there is incredible. And of course, saving money of being able to just harvest in your backyard with your family and it's a great hobby. But I think it can be a little scary the first time that you're trying to plan this vegetable garden. And the biggest thing is spacing because when we're buying these little plants they seem so small and how do you know what's going to get really big or how much spacing should you allocate for a tomato or a pepper that does take a little bit of trial and error and you can read about it but the best thing of course is to just go ahead and do it and then learn from your mistakes and hopefully they won't be too severe but something like a tomato plant you know that needs quite a bit of room and so I would say that's got to be something like 24 inches or more from the center of one plant to the center of the next. Well one thing about the tomatoes I've noticed is that we have I mean obviously I think what do we count a hundred different kinds of varieties but there are some nice compact ones that could be grown like in a container or something like that or maybe with someone with a small space but you're talking about like the traditional yeah the traditional vine or indeterminate tomatoes can get quite tall and quite wide and most people feel that those have the superior flavor as well okay so that's, that's why good that, to know. that's why they're popular and that would be something like let's say big boy or early girl those are both vine tomatoes but the trend is definitely toward the compact growth of the determinate or bush tomatoes that's in a bigger category every year and we have them arranged by size so if you want something that gets a foot tall we've got that and then the biggest in that 
compact category would be something that gets around 40 inches tall. That sounds maybe kind of big, but it really isn't in the tomato world. It's about half the size of an indeterminate tomato. So it's compact, but despite the size of that compact size, you oftentimes still need to use a cage because especially in the large fruited varieties, you don't want that fruit to get weighted down and then bend over, especially after a good wind or something like that. So we use a cage on the large fruited ones for sure. Some of the smaller ones, the cherries and grapes, it's debatable whether you need it or not, but it does help to get access to the fruit when it's ripe if you do use a cage. So we, we like that. We like the cage. Well, then it, and it protects them, of course, from any windy conditions too, so that that plant that you've been growing for quite some time, it doesn't just snap off or something like that where you lose all that fruit and that kind of thing. Right, right. Now, let's say something like peppers, they can be planted much closer together. You can probably even do them like a hand span apart. And that seems like too close, but they don't mind that at all. I mean, if you can get in, let's say in a given area, if you can put in five plants and you would have a harvest of a certain size, but if you put in say 25 plants in the same area, you'll get diminished output per plant, but overall you'll get many more fruit. So you can definitely increase production that way. And the plants help hold each other up too. So in that situation, you don't need staking because the plants lean on each other. I have a friend who does that and he plants these wide rows of about six feet or so, and he goes on for a hundred feet. And these tomatoes are only about four inches apart from each other. So he's got like over a thousand plants in a given area and he mixes all the varieties together and he just lets them grow. He's been doing that for many years and it does very well. That's incredible. So they can obviously do some research about the recommendations for the different spacing and things like that. But are there some vegetables that you recommend that it's just a must have for your garden? Obviously, everyone comes for peppers and tomatoes, but are there things that people just don't want to miss out that you think is relatively easy to grow that maybe kids would enjoy in the garden that people are going to be successful and happy with that it makes it worth their time to grow in their garden? I think definitely you want to have at least one cherry or grape tomato because those are things that appeal to kids. They seem sort of kid-sized, and they're easy to pick. And you can eat, you can get immediate gratification by just picking and popping it in your mouth. Uh, it's important, I think, to choose the varieties that are very sweet. And in general, cherry tomatoes have a higher sugar content than regular large tomatoes by quite a bit. They also have greater nutritional value. The smaller tomatoes, especially the red ones, are the highest nutritional value of any tomato. But anyway, they're sweet, and now the yellow ones are not as nutritious, but they're still quite nutritious, but they have a higher sugar content. So the kids like those even more. And they look great in a salad, just adding that additional color. They do. So just pick your favorite variety and have that available to the kids. Another great plant that I like a lot is the eggplant. And the eggplant, just as an ornamental plant, is fantastic. When, you know, when you see them develop, usually purple or sometimes white, it just seems like a Dr. Seuss kind of a plant. Especially if you plant it in a container, it's up at eye level, and all of a sudden, this this strange things come into uh, into shape and form, and they're unusual shapes. Some of them are round, some are elongated, and some of them are the traditional sort of egg shaped eggplant. So it's quite bizarre and quite fun. Do and, you like uh, eating eggplant? I eat it prepared in the Italian way, you know, usually breaded and then cooked in some way, fried oftentimes. It's not one of my favorite things, but it was it was popular because during, for poor people especially, it was kind of like a meat substitute because it had a, a meaty texture. Yeah, that's true. And gives you some bulk. And especially during the Depression, it was very popular. So, so I anyway. think it's beautiful. I love to grow it ornamentally, but trying to eat it is a little bit of a challenge. Well, a lot of it re- refers to the bitterness. And a lot of the newer varieties, if you read their descriptions, 
you'll find out that it, they'll say not a not a bitter variety. And it's also critical to pick it at the right time. If you leave it on too long, that's no good. So a younger is better than too old. Uh, all right, I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, I think even as an ornamental, it just grew it in. It is. And, and, that color and like, is gorgeous. Like, and like the tomatoes, we were talking about the size of the fruit. You'll need some support on these plants, especially the big fruited ones, because they are susceptible to breaking when they have that heavy, big, heavy fruit on them. Any of your other favorites that are absolute must-haves to, to grow in your garden? Well, I love some of the hot peppers, not for the peppers themselves, because it's it's too hot for me personally, but I like to grow them as an ornamental, because there's so many peppers on the plant, potentially, and they're bright red or bright orange or bright yellow, some are other colors as well. Funky shapes. But, and... but they, they, just, they just look fantastic on the plant. Again, the ornamental quality that appeals to me. So I grow regular peppers as well, but I just always have a couple hot ones just because they're so beautiful. And you can give them away to people that do like them. I have a funny story. I had a customer that had their vegetable garden. It was right next to their, right, went right up to their neighbor's property. And it was fenced in, but they had a problem that their neighbor kept reaching in and grabbing and harvesting from their veggie garden. They were so mad about that, that they took like the Carolina Reaper, the hottest pepper, and planted that all along the edge there to kind of protect the rest of their garden and when that person then picked the peppers that they thought they were going to be eating they (laughs) were probably in for a surprise of how hot that pepper was so I kept their neighbor out of picking their picking their plants yeah that one can even you know burn your skin I mean not not physically burn but it it makes it tingle feel that intensity yeah Yeah. I'm such a baby when it comes to the the hot peppers so I pretty much stay with the fooled you jalapeno is about as hot as I get (laughs) well the fooled you jalapeno yeah that's gives you the jalapeno flavor but no heat and there's a similar plant in the habanero family so it gives you the habanero flavor and it's called habanada oh I can't wait to try that and so that one again it's a pretty fruit and it gives you that unusual flavor without the heat. Well, that's great. Yeah, the tomatoes and peppers for sure are fun and easy to grow. Even uh, Swiss chard, that's one of my favorites to add to a salad. Does that still perform well throughout the summer? I know you said it's great in the spring months. I think Swiss chard is a must grow for if if you're looking for greens because uh, oftentimes the lettuces will fade in the hot weather, just like the spinach. And so you'll have no greens from any of those. But Swiss chard grows well in hot weather. So you can continue to harvest that all summer long. And then you can even plant new plants in the autumn if you want to get a second batch that will go well into the, after several frosts in the autumn. So I think Swiss chard is, if you're looking for a reliable source of greens, that would be it. Plus it comes in so many beautiful colors. Oh, it's so beautiful. Just even as a garnish on the plate, it's a wonderful addition. I love to harvest it just when it's really young and the leaves are small, but you can still see the colorations in the stems. But it's so nice and crunchy. And I mean, it's just one of my absolute favorites. We always make sure that's in the garden. And to harvest young, that's when it's, nice and tender and the same thing is true with many lettuces it's it's much more tender and when it's young so don't be afraid to harvest it when it's really tiny and by that i mean with lettuce in particular you you pick the outer leaves and that leaves the center growing so it's not like you're cutting off the head like a head of lettuce so you the plant will grow for weeks and weeks and weeks if you continue to harvest the outer leaves Remember, just focus on those outer leaves and it's just those cut and come again. How amazing to have that in the garden where you can continue to harvest for many, many harvests. Yeah, actually today I'm going to be, we're at the end of the season for the Greens to Grow program that we have, which is early greens. But I'm going to be harvesting some of the leaves off of our lot because some of them are getting too big. And so I'll just take those home and eat them. Have a nice big salad. Yeah, and there's lots of variety there. It's just incredible. Well, that's great. I really appreciate listening to you and the encouragement of starting your own vegetables 
vegetable garden and fruits and what joy that is for really any every generation and of course you're always out there uh, available to answer questions people are always like where's Kevin Kevin knows what I like do you remember what I had last year (laughs) they always like to hear from you you're definitely an inspiration and look forward to gardening this summer it's a pleasure for me too I, I love every minute of it we hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all the latest information and happenings here at Milligers. You can find out more details about our events on our website at milligers.com. We would love to hear from you. Send us your suggested topics and questions to me at gardengirl at milligers.com. Thanks again for listening and just keep growing.